I, um, I was actually pretty proud of myself this, uh, this past season, Christmas season. I, um, I made my wife something for Christmas. I haven't done something like that for quite a while. Um, we had a flood this past fall, as you may remember, and uh, we had a bunch of logs and trunks and trees and stuff that had been washed up onto our yard out there on the river, and <clears throat> there was one of them, the last one that I still had to cut up yet and, and split, and so I took the chainsaw and I just took a sliver off of the end of it, about an inch thick sliver. Well, couple, three of them, because it didn't work real good the first time. So, uh, but I, I took a sliver off, and then I cleaned it up, and then I started sanding it up real good and leveling it all out. And, and I got to the end of this project, and um, when you start laying on the varnish, and if any of you do any work with wood, you know, there's that part where you just really look forward to seeing the grain start to pop out and the colors come out in the wood. And, and uh, it's, at that point, I started noticing all of the, the rings on this section of, of the tree. Um, so I, I took a moment one night and I just started counting them. I was 10 years old, I figured, when this tree started growing somewhere up on the banks of the Cedar River. And it was at that point that it hit me. I'm old. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be 60 next year. Shut up. That wasn't nice at all. Uh, I, I just remember a day when I thought like 60 was like, you know, it's over. And uh, I told my dad over the holidays, uh, my dad turned 80 last year, and I said, Dad, I'm having a, I'm having a harder time remembering everything. And, and my dad looked at me. I said, now who are you again? <laughs> and I also realized that you don't get smarter as you get older. There's just a lot less stupid stuff to do. Um, and I, I did some ordering of stuff over Christmas uh, for different people in our family. And, uh, you know, you fill out those online forms as you're ordering stuff. And I found, uh, it just struck me how long I have to sit and wait as I scroll down to my year of birth. Um, some of you know what I'm talking about. My New Year's resolution this year was I wanted to really start exercising a bit more faithfully and regularly, and, and it started after the New Year, and I got on the treadmill, and I, I started like, you know, fast walking, jogging, and play. and that lasted about five seconds. I mean, everything was just shaking like a volcano, and uh, I got a cramp in my foot right away. I mean, getting old is awesome, <laughs> uh, not. So, um, but there is, there is one thing that actually I've been thinking a lot more about lately um, as I've been growing older. Uh, Deb and I have been talking about it quite a bit. We've been thinking about this next transition, the end, the next transition in our life, uh, about retirement. And uh, what do we want these years to look like for us, this decade? What do we want beyond retirement? What do we want those years to look like, and I think those are you know those huge questions, and they're probably some of the biggest questions that we need to face in our lives right now, in this season of our family life. And every season of family life has big questions, big challenges, and how we live through those seasons is is so important. And I also think that it's actually within our homes that our faith can matter the most. We often say that our home is, 
is a proving ground of our faith. And we can say and we can pray and we can sing a whole lot about God on Sunday mornings. But when Monday morning rolls around, those same words and prayers and songs have to work with the people that we call family. For our Sunday faith to mean something, it's got to work in our families every day. So this is the last week in our series about the family, and we've been trying to say a couple of really important things about what we believe about our families. Number one, we're never alone. God is faithful to us. God is faithful to our families, no matter what season of family life we're in. And then the second thing, family life demands faith. It demands faith in every season. It demands faith in every family, whether you're married or you're single, with or without kids, uh, newly married or empty nesters. Family life is hard work. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand. How many of you believe family life is hard work? And me too. Every season of family life takes effort and it takes faith. And we're not alone because God is with us and God is for us. He wants our families to be faithful and to experience his love and grace. And when we do, I believe we experience one of the greatest gifts that God gives us here on earth. And that's the, the love that is found and shared in a family that is trying their best to honor God. So over these weeks, we've thought about God's faithfulness. We've thought about our call to have faith through four different seasons of family life. Uh, Alice started it off by talking about failures. And then Eric talked about beginnings. Uh, and then Brian, last week, helped us to think about midlife. So that leaves us with endings and transitions, which we're gonna look at this morning. Because remember, I'm old, so this one's mine. But before I begin, I want you to please remember what I've already said. God is faithful to you and to your family. And that means that God is with us and that God is for us. If you were at any of our Christmas Eve services, you heard Dave talk about this. And what that means is that God, God is always at work in our families. And God always does good work. In reality, the hardest part, the hardest job is not yours. It's not your spouse's. It's not your kids. It's not your parents. That's God's job. Your job. Your job is to be faithful. God is faithful to us. And I believe that he will do his best work when we choose to be faithful to him in return. So I want to begin uh, by reading from one of my favorite Old Testament books, and this is uh, Ecclesiastes, first eight verses of chapter three, where it says this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and then a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down. And a time to build, 
time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them in, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Such beautiful, poetic words. This is time for every season, a time to begin. Marriage, marriages take place, uh, babies are born, careers begin, a new home, a new school, grandchildren, new schedules, new routines, new experiences, new opportunities. And then there's a time to end. Children go to school. They graduate. They move away. Careers end or they're lost. We leave a neighborhood, a home, a community. Dreams, goals are met or left unrealized. We downsize, we retire. Death ends relationships with people who are dear to us. There's a time to begin, there's a time to end. Life is, is filled with endings and transitions. You could say that life is really just one big transition. Our families are constantly moving, continually in transition, never standing still. Now, some of these endings are sudden, they're unexpected, but many trans transitions are, are natural. We grow older, as do the people around us. Children grow up. Suddenly, those, those second graders are graduating from high school, and then they're in their 20s, and they're getting married, and they're starting a family of their own. Everything has an end, and in many cases, if not most cases, we shouldn't be surprised we see it coming. We even have time to get ready, to prepare, to plan for it. And that's not to say that these natural endings are easy, because many are not. And Deb and I uh, have celebrated and enjoyed watching our kids transition into adulthood. Uh, we welcomed a, a beautiful daughter-in-law into our family last year. And this year, we're going to welcome a terrific son-in-law. Just this last week, we became grandparents to two puppies. <laughs> but at the same time, same time that we're celebrating all of that, we've watched our parents uh, wrestle with their health. And that's been really hard. These are four people who have had the, the deepest impact on, on Deb and my, my life. Uh, we've, we've depended on them for their support and their encouragement and their availability, but that's changed. And we miss so much what we've lost. You know, those roles have reversed. Some of you, many of you have experienced that or are experiencing that right now. Our parents are now depending on us. Expected, yes. But hard, absolutely. A few years ago, 
our staff management team took an assessment called the Winslow Dynamics Profile, and it measured 24 behavioral characteristics, and it confirmed a couple of things that I remember still so well. Um, first, first, I learned I like order, and the, rep- the words on the report used were well-organized, detailed, meticulous, punctual, fussy, and compulsive. Yeah, my wife said, yes, that's right. Um, I actually scored a 10 out of 10 on that characteristic. The report says that an excessive need to order could lead to inflexibility. So it's not surprising that on the flexibility scale, I scored a 2 out of 10. I, I am really comfortable with the way things are. And I could be very resistant to new ideas. Now, being a part of the Orchard Hill Church staff for the last couple of decades uh, has really helped me to work on that. Give me a good environment uh, to be challenged, to be more flexible. But it's still a default setting in my life. And I'm not alone. So I'm wondering, how many of you in this room right now, how many of you could say that you have a difficult time with change? Come on. Come on. All right, thank you. Thank you for being honest. The rest of you are liars. (laughs) I believe that most Americans struggle with change. Our small group read a book this summer, and it talked about the two halves of life. Uh, The first half is about beginnings. We start the journey. We set goals. uh, we, We begin to establish ourselves, work towards success and achievement, But that's not it. The concerns of the first half of life aren't going to serve us very well as we grow older and we walk further down the path. A path that's going to involve challenges and mistakes and losses and suffering. And the problem is is that we are preoccupied with this first half of life. Too many of us never leave it, even as we grow older. We resist change and transition. We feel safe with what's familiar. So we stay, we stay there and we make our home right there. But the truth is, what's new is always going to be unfamiliar and untested. That's what makes it new. So instead of taking God's hand and walking into a new season of life, we stay put. Scott Peck, in his book, The Road Less Traveled, he wrote that most Western people are spiritually lazy. We stay on the path that we're already on, even if it's taken us nowhere. The human ego prefers anything to change. It loves status quo, even if it ain't working. We resist change. We resist it in our families. We want things to stay the same, even though we know that they never will. So what's a better alternative? Well, I put together a very orderly, three-point change survival plan for you and for your family this morning. It's detailed, it's meticulous, easy to remember. And uh, it's also biblical and it's rooted in God's faithfulness to us. So, 
Number one, first, be a family of faith. Believe that God is at work in you and at work in your family and, and believe and remember that God does good work. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until that day of Christ Jesus. God is with you and God is for you. Believe that. Believe that every day of your life. Begin every day with those words actually even on your lip. I've been trying to practice that. When I wake up before my, he- my feet hit the floor, I'll think or and I even say out loud sometimes, God is with me and God is for me today. And I want to believe that about my family too. So I'll think and I'll say, and God is with Deb. And God is for her today. And I'll think about my kids. I'll say, now, and God is with Annie and Jared. And he is for them today. And God is with Elliot and Megan. And he is for them today. And God is with mom and dad and, and Deb's mom and dad. He is with them and he is for them today. Have faith in God and what he's doing. And have faith in yourself. Believe that it's possible for you to change. It's possible for you to survive transitions that come your way, unexpectedly or expectedly. You know, change is actually normal. What isn't normal is staying the same. But walking into what's new and unfamiliar, that requires an awful lot of faith because we're just not sure we'll survive on our own. But we're not alone because God is with us and God is for us. And that takes courage. You know, I'll be honest. I remember how scared I was to leave home and go to college years ago, decades ago. And then four years later, I remember how scared I was to leave those safe, comfortable relationships and friendships and routines of college. And how scared I was to begin a normal, or begin normal, nothing was normal after getting married, to begin a married life with Deb. <laughs> how scared I was anytime we made a move to another state or to uh, uh, another town. How scary parenting was, still is. How scared I've been with new ministry responsibilities, how scared I was at my first funeral or first wedding, how scared I was for my kids as they began making some of these big decisions, life-changing decisions in their lives, how scared I am about, about us losing our, our parents, and how scared I am about this next, next decade and beyond. And I have to continually be reminded of what God says, Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Do you know how many times it says, do not be afraid in the Bible? Do you know? Seriously, does anybody know? Because I'm not sure. I, I, ne- I didn't look it up. Uh, 
I know it's a lot. Somebody actually told me the other week that they thought it was 365 times. One time for every day of the year. I don't know if that's true, but I know it's a lot. Matter of fact, over the Christmas season, we were reminded that it says it three times in the Christmas story to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds. God says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God is with us. Faith gives us courage and strength. But we need something else. We also need to grow up. We need to stop being spiritually lazy. Surviving endings and transitions in our family is all about growing up. Being stuck or stagnant in our faith leads to fear and disaster. It does. First Peter, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. To survive change, you've got to change. To survive transitions in our lives, we've got to grow up. To be able to live well through transitions and endings, we have to actively build our lives on the rock that is Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews says. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, the one who plants the seed of faith in our hearts and our minds is also the one who's going to nurture it and who's going to grow it and who's going to perfect it. Remember what Philippians says, God began a good work in you and he will complete it. Unless you get in the way. Unless you choose to be consumed by fear and doubt. Unless you take a different path. One that resists change. One that protects status quo. And one that leaves you spiritually lazy. And Paul was approaching the end of his life. He could see it. He could see the end. And he wrote this to his friend Timothy. He said, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Several years ago, there was a study done at Fuller Seminary about why some people don't finish very well in their lives and why some people do. And the study grew out of a concern that many Christians were not finishing, spirit, finishing well spiritually. Uh, they were coasting to a stop. They were getting stuck. They were giving up. They were falling into sin. They were not growing up through the transitions of life, and they were not ending life well. Stats showed that as many as two out of three Adults weren't finishing well. And families were struggling because of it. A poor finish in an adult's life has consequences. The ripple effect can spread out over generations. But there were men and women who did finish well. And this study showed that they had six characteristics in common. Number one, they had, they had a relationship with God. One that was vibrant and intimate and personal. And number two, they had a learning posture. They're always being challenged. They knew they didn't have all the answers and didn't have everything all figured out, so they were always learning new things. They were listening well. They were growing up. And number three, they had Christ-like character. The fruits of the Holy Spirit were present in their lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
And they also maintained their convictions and their beliefs. They built their home on the foundation of God's truth. And that affected every decision, every choice that they made. And they were accomplishing God's purposes. They were faithfully contributing to what God was doing, his good work that he was doing in the world. And then finally, they fulfilled their sense of destiny. And what that means is that they believed that God had given them something unique to contribute, strengths and gifts, passions. So they discovered what those were, they developed them, and they used them to serve God and to serve others in the world. Now, that's a bunch of stuff, and I know you can't remember all that stuff. But what I see in this is I see three things. I see faith, I see courage, and I see maturity. People who finish the race well, who are honoring God in their families, are committed to those three things, and it makes a difference. God continues to do his good work, and our lives become examples to those we love of that good work. Now, there's no guarantees that you're going to finish well. And there's no simple, I hate to say, orderly formula for us to follow because life is just not simple and orderly. It's messy and it's complicated. But there's a, a way of living that we can choose. And it is a choice. Whether we walk into unexpected endings and transitions or if they come on us suddenly and unexpectedly and painfully, we choose how we respond. And how we respond comes from what we believe to be true about ourselves and about God. Do we believe that God is with us and that God is for us? And do we believe that there is no need to be afraid and that we can find strength and courage to take a step into the unknown? And are we committed to growing and learning and changing and becoming more and more the person and the family that God has created us to be? A few weeks ago, we had a, a funeral for Iva Dean Itson in the sanctuary. Iva was 92 years old. Iva Dean and her husband John were part of Orchard Hill Church from the, from the very beginning. And in many ways, their faithfulness left a mark on this church. They were positive, joy-filled, gracious, courageous we're a generous couple. And together they lived through so many changes and transitions in their lives, in their family, and even in the community around them. And one of the, one of the biggest was eight years ago when John died. And Iva Dean continued to live with strength and with grace after John was gone, impacting so many with her wonderful spirit. Her life was a testament to God's faithfulness and a life lived with faith and courage and maturity until God welcomed her home. She lived and she finished well. And that faithfulness, both God's and her own, continues to impact her family. God is with you. God is for you. Have faith in that truth. Be strong and courageous and don't be content to stay where you are. Continue to grow up as you, as your family, follow Jesus. Let's pray.
God, we have so much to be grateful for. For the story of you that we know. Story of your of your love and your grace, your power, your presence. Story of your son, Jesus, changed everything for us. Through his death and through his resurrection. The coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives and shaping your your people, the church. Our own stories, God. Our stories within your story. Story of our families. And the part that we have to play in it. God, I just pray that your spirit would keep prompting us to believe that everything that we sing and pray and talk about on a Sunday morning is it's really true. And it makes a difference. Both now and forever. And that that truth would give us courage. Courage to, to live. And, uh, and God, we would take seriously this call to grow up. You invite us to continue to mature in our faith. May we just never be satisfied with where we are. So may we humbly grow in understanding you and your grace in this world and in our families. Thank you, God, for whatever it is that makes up our family. Um, thanks for the blessing and even the challenge that it is. And may we respond well as people of faith. Pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.